So welcome back to another exciting edition of the Pointless Exercise Podcast. It's supposedly it's football season, so the Bear Podcast has restarted. And for those of you who loved the podcast last year, you could be in for a surprise because only 33% of that podcast uh, team, whatever, is back. And it's me, the one you probably don't want. Listen to how excited the dogs are. That we're back for another year. So I have a new co-host this year. So anyway, I teased out that one of the people in one of the people in that commercial is the co-host for the podcast. And so I'm sure you all went frame by frame through the commercial this morning, and you're like, "Ooh, Michael Irvin is in the commercial. Deion Sanders is like the star of the commercial." Um, I hate to break it to you, Leon Sandcastle, not a real person. It's Dion in a wig. Uh, Melissa Stark was in the commercial. That would be a good one. My my ex girlfriend, Melissa Stark. It's not her. Um, who else was famous was in that commercial? Rich Eisen? No, he's got his own gig. Um, so the person who is in the podcast, he's going to tell us where he was in the podcast, is a previous guest of the Pointless Exercise podcast, actor, comedian, Mike Pusateri, is the co-host of the podcast this year. And so I have, th- I have questions about that commercial, Mike. First of all, tell... America and parts of Sweden, where you were in the commercial. So, and Roger Goodell was in the commercial. That's too. right, Roger Goodell. I could have been. It could have. I could have had a bro hug podcast with Roger Goodell. I didn't yeah. even bother to ask him. I wanted you instead. And I don't. Does that make me zero degrees of separation from all those guys, or one degree? I'm not sure how that how the game works. Oh no, it's one. You were in a commercial with all of them. They're one, You guys are basically all pals now. We we were we were. So that was uh, we sh- that was shot at Lucas Oil Stadium. It was shot in uh, January of 2013, and it aired in the Super Bowl the next month. Look at that! It was a you were in a Super Bowl commercial, not Super just Bowl. not just an NFL commercial. You were in a Super Bowl commercial. Exactly. And the 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 thing about the end of that, well, we had found out after we shot it, you know, we shot is if you've seen the commercial, you can tell it's lots of different locations. And, and I am, by the way, I played an NFL scout at the combine in Lucas oil. Wait, wait a minute. You, you played an NFL? I thought you were an NFL scout. That's why I, I wanted you to be on the podcast. I, I, I did it so well that I flew. I flew yeah. You. Oh. yeah. <laughs> and, um, uh, I come in about the 32nd mark where, uh, my, uh, my fellow actor, a fellow scout, uh, we're, we are scouting the great Leon Sandcastle. Yes. who was just setting the combine on fire. And as you say, it's Dion in a wig. Um, uh, the, the, so that was, so we found out afterwards that that word had gotten down to us that, okay, this, this commercial is going to air in the first commercial block in the fourth quarter of the game of the Super Bowl, And we're like, that's amazing. I mean, if this if this is any kind of a close game at all, that's going to be, you know, the highest viewership in the world because we're all expecting, of course, that people in Hollywood are going to see us and and we're all going to become television stars, you know, based on this commercial. Yeah. Which, uh, still waiting for that call, by the way. Um, but what happened, if you recall, that was the famous power outage. <laughs> 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 and that power outage, of course, occurred right after the third quarter. So we're sitting here. We're all ready to go. You know, fourth quarter. Here it is. Friends and family. We're all on the edge of our seat. And 
five minutes go by, 10 minutes go by, 20 minutes go by. I think it was like 30 or 40 minutes, that power outage. And we're all wondering, are they going to air this thing? Are they going to air it during the power outage when no one is going to see this? You know, at the 22-minute mark, is that going to screw up our debut? Uh, but finally, the power came back on, and uh, it did run in the first commercial block. Uh, but it was quite, quite the long delay from when we thought it was going to run. Wow. Yeah, I couldn't place the uh, which Super Bowl <laughs> that was in my mind right away. And so it's a commercial yeah. for NFL Network? Yes. Okay. So <laughs> yes. you'd had to have some concern <laughs> that, ah, they'll just comp that. They're not going to pay them. They're not going to worry about it. You know, I know it costs $3 million for 30 seconds spot, but if they got to eat one, that's the one they're going to eat. But they didn't, probably because, like, we can't. Did you see? I mean, Poos Terry just knocks it out of the park in that in this commercial. Yeah. Um, the America and the world needs to see it. I would think that was probably what happened. I, I think clearly that was when went went on. That was the exact discussion at the commissioner's office. I'm sure. Yeah. Where we got to see this guy, Sand Sandcastle. Sandcastle. Uh, yeah. Very good. <laughs> when they, uh, I mean, that was the one thing that we didn't, we actually didn't worry about because obviously they had invested so much money and, oh, that's and true. spent time with all these all these celebrities and stuff that are in this thing. Um, and we, we had a, you know, we thought it was going to be a pretty cool commercial. You can never tell when you're shooting something, if it's going to be great or, or not. Um, but uh, it turned out pretty cool. And, oh, but the other thing that you worry about though, as an actor, you always worry about this is, you know, when you see the final cut, am I in it? Yeah. Cause you know, they shot a lot more stuff than what you see for everybody. And you're just, is this, is this going to make it or what's going to make it? And so when you, when you see yourself there, that's, uh, that's a huge relief. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what a pleasant surprise. I don't think Dion probably wasn't worried that they cut him out. He, he wasn't too, he didn't, he didn't worry about, he didn't seem to worry about too much. <laughs> so was, so who was actually, who was there in Indianapolis? Uh, of the main guys, it was, it was Dion. Yeah. He was the, he was the only, uh, yeah, he was the only main guy there. Did you get to rub elbows with Dion? We, well, you know, Dion, uh, Dion didn't spend a lot of time with the other actors. <laughs> I can't imagine. <laughs> uh, he, was, he was a bit, uh, he was a nice enough guy, but he was, you know, he was kind of in his own world there. And, and uh, this story kind of sums up our interaction with Dion when we're, you know, when they're making up the set before the, uh, before the commercial is going to be shot, you know, the cast is nowhere near that because, there's no reason for us to be. We would just get in the way, do something stupid. So they only call us in at the last minute after all the lighting is set and the, and the sound and the director, and they've all done their thing. So when they, we come out on the, uh, they lead us from the green room, and it was like the three or four of us. We were all from Chicago, except for Dion, all the actors. And um, and so they're leading us out, and, and Dion was like a good 10 paces behind us, right? He was not <laughs> associating. And so as we walk on to the, to the field, some production s- assistant yells out, Town on the set! And, on the, and, and about a second or two later, I hear Dion clear his throat. And it's like, <clears throat> real town on the set. Of course. So that uh, kind of stuff. Well, his career's going great. He's on uh, Barstool now. <laughs> he worked his way from CBS to the NFL Network to Barstool. Um, 
I don't even know what's next. If maybe Allie Ellen will have a bear podcast next year, Dion can be on that. That'd be yeah. good for Dion. It's quite a quite a trajectory. But you didn't get to hang out with Melissa Stark. Did not. That's too bad. So hey, Mike, how can how can people uh, find you? So I can be found on Instagram at I am Mike Pusateri and on Twitter at at Mike Pusateri. All you have to do is figure out how to spell Pusateri and, and, and you got it. I was going to say, is that common spelling for uh, Pusateri? Common, yeah. Spelled just, just like it like, sounds? Just like it's normally spelled. Yeah. So P-U-S-A-T-E-R-I. There it is. Did I get it right? You, yeah. You got it right? Maybe. All right. Yeah. Cool. Well, good. It's, it's, good. it's good to have you. Well, thank you. Thank I, you. I think this will be, I think it'll be fun um, regardless of. Whether or not how the bear season goes, that doesn't mean we can't have a fun podcast. And who knows? You know, maybe they'll be great. <laughs> Anything's it's possible. 20, anything is possible in twenty twenty. So from so from last year's podcast team, it was it was me, it was another Mike. I'm really good at this. You're the third Mike who we've had doing podcasts. Uh, Mike Brat, who's a hired Jamesian. Uh, Mike Donahue, and now you, and it's good because then I can't—I can hardly forget um, your name, yeah. at least your first name. In fact, the Cub Podcast transitioned, or no, we went from the Cub Podcast. I was doing just like last year. For, there was a time last year and this year where I was doing the Cub Podcast, the Bear Podcast, at the same time. It was Andy, Mike, and Kyle on the Cub Podcast. It was Andy, Mike, and Kyle on the Bear Podcast, and the Mike and Kyles were completely different. Um, so Kyle Morris was on the, on this Bears podcast last year. He's, he was excellent. He's a super smart guy. He knows everything about football. Uh, but apparently Iowa's internet is still, um, it's, I think it's gotta be chickens on a wheel and they're not that energetic. And Donahue and I spent most of our podcast looking at each other through Google Hangouts going, can you understand anything Kyle's saying? Because he would cut out so much. Uh, so we came up with a, a a new idea for Donahue and me, which uh, I think we're going to record the first one tonight. And we're either going to put them in the pot, in the existing podcast or if they get lengthy, which some of them will, they will be on their own. Uh, we're tentatively calling it... Um, I didn't want to get sued by uh, Deadspin or uh, Defector Media with uh, Let's Remember Some Guys. So it's going to be uh, Mike and Andy reminisce about some crap. And it's the same idea. Um, in fact, the one we did on uh, Twitter when I was pitching this idea to him um, started with, I think, Johnny Knox. And it ended up with a uh, me making a very unfortunate reference to Johnny Morris's wife. So that's the kind of thing that we're that you'll that people have to look forward to on uh, Mike and Andy reminisce about some crap. But this podcast, this is all hardcore bears stuff. We're going to be breaking down film. Um, <laughs> it's going to be we're going to we're going to talk about you know wow what are they are they on a twenty one personnel are they is that, yeah. is that twelve personnel we'll no, have it we'll, we'll have it all charted. Yeah. yeah I think we're there will be a companion PowerPoint that will come out with every one of these podcasts, animated one that'll show the plays. It's gonna actually we're not gonna do any of that shit. We're just gonna make fun of of the bears. So 
one thing I was telling you before we started, um, because time has no meaning in the pandemic, I was like a week and a half ago, I'm like, oh shit, that's right, the real football season is, they're really going to try to play football in a pandemic, and that starts in a week and a half. Um, we didn't have preseason games to get acquainted with, because one thing Bears fans love to do, and I'm as guilty as this as anybody, is you fall in love with these bums who show out great in preseason games against other bums. Um, I don't know if you remember, do you remember Mike Hass, wide receiver yeah. out of, I believe, Oregon State? I remember thinking, that guy going to be a superstar. Um, <laughs> not, not so much. He didn't, uh, he wasn't one. Hub Arkish got his man crush on Ryan Nall in the preseason. By the way, Ryan Nall, still Auto around. Yes. yes. Very yes. frightening. Uh-huh. Um, so because of that, we I think we needed to spend a little bit of time acquainting ourselves and the uh, podcast listeners on just who is on this team. So one of the guys I completely forgot was on the team. I'm going to see if you remember which one this is. There's a former 49er speedster. Who is on the roster? Is it Ted Ginn Jr. or Freddie Solomon? That's <laughs> the great Ted Ginn Jr. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Surprised yeah. they didn't sign Ted Ginn Sr. too. Well, I think they probably both catch the ball equally. <laughs> Ted will be running really fast down the field with the ball a good 30 yards behind him at all times. Yeah. Which. Given our quarterback, you know, I, ball tracking skills from our receiver group is probably a, a, a necessary skill. And, uh, yeah. Do you know how many running backs are on the 53-man roster? Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, yeah, four. Um, it could be technically four, depending on um, how they classify or Corderell Patterson. Right. I believe it's Corderell. I've always called him Corderell, and so I'm still going to. But I'm going to say that it's a trick question, and there's none. Because... Yeah, okay. oh. Well, if you meant like NFL caliber... <laughs> <laughs> well, there's one of those, I think. David yeah. Montgomery hurt. So he immediately take him off. Yeah. Then Ryan Nall. No. no. Tariq Cohen. No. Uh, he's a functional dwarf. And then a wide receiver. A guy who's, if you're too big to be a wide receiver, you're probably too big to be a running back. And that's where we're going to start the season with. I, I can imagine uh, Corderell and Tariq uh, picking up blitzes against the Vikings. Now, there could be a play. I wonder if this is legal. Say they line up with Corderell and Tariq in the backfield together. Uh-huh. Snap the ball, direct snap to Tariq. Corderell picks Tariq up, throws oh. him down the field. Can you do that? Let's try it. I remember, um, I don't think it, maybe it was in the Super Bowl season. Maybe it was the next year when they were, when Ditka was still hammering the fridge gimmick into the ground. Where, um, Fridge, do you remember when he tried to pick up Walter Payton and like shove him into the end zone? I believe that was illegal at the time. I don't know that it's still illegal. It might not be anymore. So I'll have to look into that. Yeah. Well, hopefully the Bears will challenge the rule book in that way. So at one point, the Bears were, um, well, at most points in the offseason, they were the laughing stock of the NFL. But at one point, they were because on an on an 80-man roster, they had 10 tight ends. Yeah. <laughs> They've cut that number down dramatically. 
do you know how many they've cut it down to? Is this another trick question? Because no, this you, is, well, it should, I wish it was. It's not. This is the actual yeah. number. Yeah. I think the actual number is five. Five. Five tight ends. Yeah. What? Of which one is a, an aging veteran, uh, and the other is a rookie. And these are the guys they're relying on to uh, revitalize the offense. It it makes you wonder what sport Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy think they're playing. That they're like, all right, well, most teams carry three tight ends, but that's that's not going to be enough. <laughs> no, we're going to need at least two more than that. <laughs> yeah. One guy, I who's Eric Saubert. He's from. He played football at Drake. I didn't know Drake had a football team. Maybe they don't. They may not. But Eric Salbert was also, and then one of the other times, Demetrius Harris went to the University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee. They don't have a football team, do they? No. 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 He played basketball, and then they, then he learned how to be a tight end. So maybe did Eric Salbert? I know that uh, Drake has like this really famous collegiate track meet. Was he a hurdler? And they're like, wow, but he could jump over the line. Let's get him. We're talking about an organization that has its quarterback from North Carolina. <laughs> so we shouldn't be that surprised that they uh, that they expand their uh, horizons. They also go into the season with, the, remember last year we had this whole soap opera with the kicking position. Oh. And they had a cast of thousands, and they, had, they turned it into this ridiculous, terrible game show. And... Um, so they ended up with our buddy Eddie Pinheiro, and he won the game. He won the game in Denver, which was great. Everybody was excited. Then he then he lost a game, and he blamed it on Jesus, as one does. Um, <laughs> so Eddie's hurt. Yeah, he didn't kick it all in camp. As a matter of fact. Yeah, well, I mean, that say you got to save some bullets for the regular season. <laughs> um, so they brought back a former Bear kicker. Yeah. Uh, Cairo Santos. With Kansas City Chiefs ties, of course. And uh, is Cairo Santos, is he Ron Santos' son? It'd be great if he was. Yeah, I think he probably is. Yeah, let's just assume he is. Carries out one of Dad's legs for good luck. (laughs) (laughs) Just sets it on the field behind him. You know, some kickers have a towel, and they, like, throw the towel behind him. You know, he's got one of Ron's legs. Sets that lovingly in the grass behind him. Yeah, goes, oh, no, and then, no, he doesn't do that. Um, okay, so Cairo did not make the final cut. And he thought, all right, well, Eddie must be fine. No, Eddie's on injured reserve. <laughs> so technically, they have no kickers on the team right now, which, honestly, it's probably not going to be a lot different than when they actually have a kicker on the team. And I didn't know how that worked, but I learned today something very exciting. Because of the pandemic, yeah. you are allowed to protect Half of the guys on your practice squad, nobody, the the way the practice squad normally works is if somebody is willing to take a guy off your practice squad and put them on their 53-man roster, you lose him. He's gone. Well, this year, you get to basically hold four of your guys hostage (laughs) (laughs) and say, no. Now, I think, I I didn't confirm this. Why would I want to spend an extra three minutes looking this up? I think that the guys you protect, you have to actually pay more kind of make up for that and i think that's how josh mccown is being paid twelve thousand dollars a week to be 
a permanent member of the Eagles practice squad, and he did break glass in case of emergency quarterback. Okay. So the Bears protected four guys today. I'm not going to ask. I'm not going to have you guess them because we'll be here all day. <laughs> I will. Yeah, I will have no idea. One of them, thankfully, Cairo Santos. So they do have a kicker. They will they will activate him presumably on Sunday, and they have a kicker. Presumably prior to Sunday's game. Another one is a running back, who's oh. not Ryan Nall. It's Artavis Price, the guy who I guarantee you, had there been preseason games, people would have been like, you know that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire that the that the Chiefs took in the first round. Artavis is better. Way better. Oh, Way. Brian Pace has done it again. <laughs> he sure is. Uh, an offensive lineman named Jamone Brown, mm-hmm. and the one that made me go, "Oh, you've got to be kidding me!" Quarterback Tyler Bray. Of course, he's Tyler. still around. This he's is still... like his twelfth year on the practice squad. You know, and it's funny. You look at every one of those positions: quarterback, running back, offensive line, and kicker. Um, are the Bears setting the world on fire with those guys that are on the fifty-three man roster? I'm not sure if you're not good enough to make the 53 man roster with the, out of those position groups, are you really worth protecting? So the bears have, we already, we already, they have five tight ends, but guess how many wide receivers are on their 53 man roster. I'm going to say they got six, seven, seven, 12 guys are tight ends and wide receivers. On this roster. Now, I suppose you can put a little slash next to Corderell, and he's a running back, wide receiver, kick returner, whatever. But in addition to the one everybody knows, (laughs) Allen Robinson, there's Anthony Miller, who maybe this year he actually remembers what route to run. It would be kind of nice. Maybe not. Um, Then there's uh, Ridley Ridley, the the Ozzie Canseco to uh, Calvin Ridley, his brother's. Jose Canseco, Javon Wims, Ted Ginn Jr., we already talked about, and Darnell Mooney. Not the guy that I used to work with at The Athletic who writes about the Bears. That's a different Mooney. That's Patrick Mooney. Darnell Mooney, the speedster out of Tulane, who they list at 5'11", 174, which means he's actually 5'8", 142 pounds. Exactly. Yes. Now, he'll be fine on Sunday because they're playing indoors. But the first game at Soldier's Field, the wind, with no fans in the stands, there will be one because the wind will blow constantly blow Darnell into the 300 level. Somewhere. Where's Darnell? Oh, Christ. Put a string on him. I'm tired of going up and dragging him back. So I don't know a lot about typical roster construction for football. But roughly a quarter of your team is a, either a tight end or a wide receiver. It seems a little excessive. That does seem, uh, it seems a bit, bit, bit heavy. Yes. A bit heavy. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously the big story that broke, uh, you, you know that you're confident in your choice when you decide to let it leak out who you picked as your starting quarterback when you do it late Friday night on a holiday weekend. <laughs> you clearly so want to fair. run to the microphone and answer all the questions about why you pick somebody when it's yeah. like 8 o'clock and you're like, hey, Schefter. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. Mitch again. 
Yes. So it's such so, so proud. Yeah, right. They're very proud of this decision. And can you blame them for announcing it on a Friday night, really? Well, originally, Nagy made it sound like he was never going to announce it. Like you're going to have to you're going to have to tune in and see yeah. who ran out onto the field. And I guarantee you, now if I well, I wouldn't do this because I think it's stupid. But if I were the head coach and I decided I was going to do that, the first play I ran would have both quarterbacks on the field just for the hell of it. That I'd have them good. both lined up like in the shotgun next to each other. And then you let the errant snap by Cody Whitehair. It'll be like, it would literally be like the white or black smoke over the Vatican. People would be like, "Who was he snapping it to?" I think yeah. he was snapping it to Mitch. I think he was snap. I think he was snapping it to Foles. But yeah, you could just snap it down the middle. They could have fought for it. Well, he can't. Cody can't snap it down the middle. He has to roll it back. It's <sighs> so anyway. So the most uninspiring thing possible happened, and that's uh, year four of Mitch, a quarterback that they're so confident in that they already announced that they're. They're not going to exercise his fifth-year option, even though the fifth-year option isn't guaranteed right away. So they wouldn't have even – if they decided a year from – well, not a year from now, but like eight months from now, they could have still said, you know, Mitch, we were kidding. You don't get the money. Right. They didn't even do that. Well, can you recall uh, another quarterback who has started – another starting NFL quarterback who started for three years – and sucked for those three years, and then magically in year four became this fantastic player. I can't think of anybody where that's... Oh, who it actually happened to? No, I know yeah. the Bears thought, oh, Jim Harwell, it'll work for Jim, and it didn't. Yeah, but it didn't. It did. Uh, I mean, you know, if you're usually by year four as a starter in the NFL, we you know what you've got, and I think we do know what we've got, but this yeah. is not a situation where you've got, you know, Aaron Rodgers or Steve Young sitting on the bench for a couple of years. And then they struggle the first year. They start maybe a little bit. But by year two, they're like, oh, these guys are going to be great. You you know pretty much by year year two, two or three at the most, you've got a great quarterback. And here we go in in year four. So I guess the two guys that come to mind both had to change teams. And they both ended up with the same team. They would be... Jim Plunkett, that's how far back I'm going, and Rich okay. Gannon. Ah, Rich Gannon's a good one. And yeah. Rich Gannon is the guy because he he went to Delaware, I believe, just like our visor, our our head visor, <laughs> yes. Matt Nagy, right. also went to Delaware. That's the guy he's going to constantly compare Mitch to. Well, you know, it took Rich it took Rich Gannon a long time. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. No, well, it's well, it's well, not. Well, and so Mitch's, you know, the he's had a lot of excuses made for him. And some of them seemed perfectly valid at the time. So the first year, he played in that archaic offense under John Fox. Right. And everybody kind of agreed, you can't tell if he's any good or not based on that. Clearly. Because, yeah, he was just running around with like six plays. So then year two, he had, you know, kind of the typical struggles that you would expect from a young quarterback. Some games he looked great. He threw six touchdown passes against Tampa, and everybody's like, oh, he's here. And then, you know, a week later, he was back to deer in the headlights, Mitch. Um, He played terrible in the playoff game against the Eagles 
and so did Nick Foles <laughs> until the fourth <laughs> quarter, when all of a sudden the two of them turned into Joe Montana and started dueling. And um, Foles led the Eagles on two touchdown drives to take the lead. Mitch brings – Mitch. well, the first touchdown drive, then Mitch answered it. Bears come right back and score, and you're like, hot damn, look at this. And all the Bears have to do with the greatest defense assembled since the 85 Bears – just keep the Eagles out of the end zone. Nope, can't do it. Nick Foles is too good. They can't stop him. Mitch comes right down, makes a couple of great throws, and then we get the double doink. And everybody, and you left the game thinking, with the last image of Mitch was that fourth quarter where you're like, that was really good. Wiping yeah. away the fact that for the first three quarters, it, it he didn't know whether to line up behind the guard or <laughs> the center or which way to face. I mean, it was just, they, they couldn't do anything. But we spent that whole off season like I think Mitch is I think he's good. This is going to yeah. be great. Yeah. And I remember on this very podcast, a, probably a year ago today, we were all excited. The Bears were gonna, you know, they're gonna they're open at home against the Packers, and they hid Mitch all preseason. You know, oh, barely let him play so that you know he's yeah. gonna run all this. Here's what we thought because we're morons, and we wouldn't still be <laughs> Bear fans if we weren't morons. It's the thing that made us Cub fans forever. Yes was we against all evidence we're like I know what they're doing they're going to they're going to run all they're going to throw all this cool stuff at the packers and the packers are going to know what hit them <sighs> and it was one yeah. of the worst games anybody's ever seen even the packers the packers mounted one scoring drive the bears did nothing mitch was right. terrible and by I distinctly remember by the middle of the second quarter of the very first game in the season sitting in my basement going Mitch sucks, and we're f- <laughs> Mitch sucks, and we're fucked. They weren't hiding him from they weren't hiding him from the Packers. They were hiding him from us. They didn't want the fans to see how bad Mitch was. The Bears got booed off the field at halftime of the opener in a game that I think was tied. If 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 the most they were down three nothing, and the Bear fans had already figured it out, which was like, oh no, this is not going to work. Yeah. And a year later, he's supposedly the best option. Well, you know, he's he's worked on his footwork in the offseason. <laughs> I don't know if you see that Dan Weirer had this thing in the Tribune where he he had like 10, they made a little graphic. And they made uh, 10 things that will define Mitch's season. Things <laughs> okay. he had to do. And one of them was polish footwork. <laughs> But polish with a capital P, I don't read as polish. No, I wouldn't. Either. So it's Polish footwork, <laughs> and Mitch is Polish, and it's like, well, of course, it's Polish yeah. footwork. I actually named my fantasy team Polish footwork, and have a picture of Mitch as the avatar. So I can't wait to see the Polish footwork. Yeah. Which I don't want to get into, but I'm Irish. There's plenty of Irish jokes, but most of the Polish jokes. If you were going to make a Polish footwork joke, uh, he wouldn't be Arthur Murray. It's whatever's going to happen back there is not going to be attractive. No. So now, um, speaking of scouts on Twitter, which we're not, but I guess you played a scout. I thought you were a scout. That's why. I, that's why I signed you to the big contract for this podcast. Now I'm a little disappointed, but we're just going to plow ahead anyway. Um, Greg Gabriel, former uh, former front office uh, person from the Bears. Uh, Integral part of the success, uh, successful relaunch of the XFL. That went well. Um, he's, I follow him on Twitter because he's, his tweets are always asinine. 
Um, he was making fun of people who thought that the Bears really <laughs> traded for Nick Foles to start. He's like, anybody who knows football knows that wasn't the plan. He's oh, the, okay. They got him to be the backup, to be the mentor, to be whatever. It's like, no, no, no. They paid him $24 million and gave up a fourth-round pick. He was supposed to come in and win the job. Yeah. That, that was, was the idea. Right. He's got ties to three of the coaches on the coaching yeah. staff who had either coached yeah. him, including Nagy, the guys who coached him in either Kansas City or Philadelphia or Jacksonville or combinations of the three. He the knows idea, the system. Yes. Yeah, he knows the system. Right, even in a pandemic, he was supposed yeah. to be able to come in and win the job. And he didn't. And so the uh, retroactive butt covering among the media has already begun. And they're they're all kind of lined up with Gabriel. And it's, no, 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 no. You don't understand, guys. Foles, he's always had his best success coming off the bench. Everywhere he's he's been. It ignores the fact that the best season he ever had where he threw, what is it, 27 touchdowns and three interceptions for the Eagles, started every game. (laughs) Other than that. And yes, he clearly, he was not going to beat Carson Wentz out, so he came off the bench to win the NFC Championship and the Super Bowl. So yes, you can hang your hat on that. Um, But the idea that he, they purposely are starting Mitch so that later on they can bring Nick in to save the season I mean, that's some Dave Ross bullpen management stuff there. That's like, you know, you know, I think Rowan Wick is more comfortable with runners on. So let's have Kyle Ryan start the inning and then he can, he can make it more comfortable for Rowan. It's like, no, that's not how any of this is supposed to work. Right. Right. So the one thing they, they lean on, which you can conceivably make a case for is that Mitch is not Mitch Trubisky against the Lions. Mitch is Tom Brady against the Lions. And that's who they play in week one. So Mitch's career against the Lions, he's only three and two, but he started off 0-2. So he's won three in a row. He he had completed 70% of his passes against the Lions. He has a 106.3 passer rating against the Lions. He's thrown 11 touchdowns to only four picks against them. And that all sounds great. It ignores the fact that the Bears have a four-game winning streak against the Lions, not a three-game winning streak against the Lions, because Chase Daniel beat them, too. Yeah, Which completely right. then devalues everything, everything. that you hang yeah. your hat on with Mitch. Yeah, right. Well, they... Uh, I, you know, if when by the time that Foles is starting, and I assume he's going to be starting by week four or five. I would think, yeah. <laughs> I could, I would imagine it's not going to take much longer than that. It's going to be because, you know, Mitch still sucks. And clearly they they determined that it's a lot easier for them to start with Mitch and bring Foles off the bench than to go the other way around. Um, but with, you know, why, but why we even have, why do we even have Foles for $20 million or $24 million on a fourth round pick? There were other quarterbacks who arguably a lot better than Nick Foles and a lot cheaper than Nick Foles, and the Bears didn't pursue it. Well, so apparently they tried to sign Teddy Bridgewater. That was their first. That was their first choice, and Teddy got a lot of money from Carolina and didn't have to play for the Bears. So he <laughs> that took that. Yeah. And honestly, Teddy doesn't fix anything. Teddy yeah. is not this, you know, dynamic quarterback. Teddy's a. He's a game-managing quarterback who wears the big, ridiculous Mickey Mouse white gloves. 
Um, is he better than Mitch? Of course he's better than Mitch. But yes. he was going to cost like $50 million. They were apparently willing to pay close to that. But the Panthers were like, no, 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 here, take this. And then, um, so then their fallback clearly was um, Foles. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of people who were sure that because the Jags were tearing everything down and they've continued to just jettison players left and right, that you just had to wait for them to waive Nick and then you could sign him for whatever. And somewhere in that, you know, fancy hairdo head of Ryan Pace, he convinced himself that, oh, no, no, a lot of teams are going to want Nick Foles, so we better hop to it and get him. Yeah. Which, because their other option could have been wait for the Panthers to cut Cam Newton because you knew they were going right. to cut Cam because they just paid Teddy. They're not going to pay Teddy and Cam. And they didn't do that. And now Cam is going to be the starting quarterback for the Patriots for $1 million. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's incentives. Like he can make three. But yeah. he's guaranteed a $1 million. And he's Cam Newton. Um, well, that, so, that, I mean, that's exactly it. I mean, Cam Newton for one to maybe three versus Nick Foles for 24 and a fourth round pick. Yes. That, that sums up the Ryan Pace era. Really? So the the risk with Cam was probably two things. The risk was number one, he's been hurt, and that's why the Panthers were like, okay, gotta we've got to move on from Cam. Cam's a great player when he's healthy. He has not been healthy for two and a half years, and we're going to move on. So there's a risk that you bring him in, and he wins the job, and then two plays into the first game, he's in a crumpled heap behind the line and you never see cam again right then there was the but this the defeatist attitude of the bears lets me to believe that they their concern was he comes in he wins the job he plays well you got to pay him a lot of money next year and maybe he's like hey that was fun thanks for helping out i'm gonna go sign with a real team now yeah and you're like oh crap that didn't work we don't have cam my assumption is that now this is the expert this is the kind of quality football analysis you're going to get from me. So one of my favorite shows every year is um, All or Nothing on Amazon Prime. It's basically hard knocks, except they follow a team through the whole regular season. Much more exciting than watching them play you know, fake football in their underwear. And so last year was the Eagles. Two years ago was the Panthers. And I didn't know, you know, I, I knew Cam like everybody else, you know, that he was, um, you know, the whole shady thing about how do you get to Auburn and then he wins the Heisman and then he goes and he's really good right away in the NFL and then he plays in the Super Bowl and he won't fall on the fumble and then he gets mad in the postgame thing. So I went into it with probably not a real positive impression of Cam other than the fact they knew he was really good. And three episodes in, you're like, Cam is awesome. This is a super cool guy. Why can't yeah. I? Why can't my team have a guy like Cam? Right, they could have. And he played great for half the season. And then he hurt his shoulder. Yeah. And the Panthers' season went pff, right in the crapper. Right. Um, well, if you're looking around the Bears' offense, though, I, I mean, I'm sorry. You, uh, are there a lot of playmakers on this offense? Uh, I mean, you well, how to... much is a lot? Because if one is a lot, then yes. Allen Robinson. You have Allen Robinson. You've got that, but uh, David Montgomery is. Uh, Okay, he's kind of a, 
number two running back. He's not. He's not any. He's going to plot through the middle of the line. He's not going to be stretching any defenses. And and you've got you know. And then at the at you know the fourteen tight ends that are on the roster, we got Jimmy Graham, who is what thirty eighth. Thirty three used to be awesome. Used to be awesome. Yeah. And by, by the way, did, did did Aaron Rodgers and Jimmy Graham set the world on fire as a combination last year? They did. They did uh, not. I no, I didn't think they did. No, and 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 the great Cole Komet. And so you've got one great wide receiver, one great wide receiver, a, a decent running back in Montgomery, and tight ends. To me, is a big question mark. Although boy, everybody seems to be so excited about this, this combo, at least in their the non-contact. Yeah. you know, drills they people have been watching, but I don't see, I, I don't see any quarterback coming in. That's really going to, you're, you're going to have to have a lot of talent as a quarterback to do something with this offense. This offense behind average offensive line is not very good. I mean, the hope I have for Jimmy Graham is the upgrade from Mitch to Mitch from Aaron Rodgers should really help. I would think. I, mean, I can I can I can certainly excuse Jimmy for not being able to catch a lot of passes from some hump like Aaron Rodgers. Right. It's not like he's accurate or you know that he runs around and buys time and a tight end can just work the middle of the field and all of a sudden you're wide open and he's and the ball is immediately in your hands. No, yeah, no, that stuff never happens. Instead it'll be Mitch, which will be great. Yeah. Mitch is the guy who makes everything. Mitch can knows. roll to his right and then blindly throw back to his left and miss you by, you know, half the field. It's it's gonna be awesome. Yeah, yeah. Mitch could throw a bomb to the third row better than anybody. Um, but there's there's Ted Ginn Jr. So well, I remember when he ran that kickback in the uh, in the uh, um, college football national championship game in uh, 2001. So that was that's only 19 years ago. So that should be fine, or whatever year it was, 2004, whatever. A long ass time ago. Um, right. And I expect he'll run very fast down the field, and Mitch will never complete a pass. Yeah. He'd just be—he's a decoy. <laughs> it would be great if, in the entire game, the the Lions never cover Ted. Right. It's yeah, like he's, he's no, he's you're, he's not throwing it to you. We're not even going to put anybody on that side of the field. And he's over there, like. Yeah, yeah. The Bears are using him as a decoy for Ryan Nall to, to bust through. <laughs> And then uh, you've got the Tariq Cohen play, though, where you, know, you run the sweep to him, and then he immediately decides that's not going to work. So he peels back, and he runs like 30 yards behind the line, tries to get the other way, breaks a couple of tackles, spins around, gets hit so hard you don't know how he's not dead or at least concussed and has, yeah. has lost one yard. Right. That's, that sounds about right. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so there's not a lot of depth. And by the way, they have, as we know, they've had no, they've had no preseason games. They've had seemingly no contact. I don't think I think their scrimmage they didn't even have any contact with the first teamers there. How how are how are injuries going to be with this with this team? I mean, this guy's going to get start getting popped for real on Sunday. That would seem to be like you're going to have a you're going to need a lot more depth than what the Bears have stumbled on on this roster. You know they've never had a lot of injury problems though. Yeah, you know, the crack medical staff of the Bears, it'll be yeah. it'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be good. So, one of the things I'm excited about. Oh, I was going to have you. Um, I found out who the announcers were uh, for Sunday. Very excited. I was sure when I saw that the. Um, 
the lowest ranked Fox crew. I want to get this right. So there, um, some weeks you can have as many as I think seven games given the rotation. Yeah. Their seventh crew is Chris Myers, hey, from Marquee yeah. Sports, Gre- <laughs> Greg Jennings, former Packer, and college football analyst Brock Heward is all they're going to throw him into. Wow. I guess Brock doesn't have much to do. There's no Fox has Big Ten and Pac-10 games, so yeah, Brock's good, free. He's got great. he's got time yeah. on his hands. I thought for sure that's who the Bears would get. They didn't. They didn't get them. No, no, no. Ooh. Fox thought so much of this matchup. They also didn't get the second to last crew, which would have been Sam uh, would have been Tom Brenneman, <laughs> Chris <laughs> Spielman, and Laura Oakman. But of course, uh, Tom, who yes. uh, is today, said he'd never said that word before. Ever? No. no, I never no. said that word before. Um, so he, of course, got fired, and Kevin Kugler is going to replace him. Oh, the great Kevin. So we're getting Kugler and Spielman? No, the Bears didn't get them. That's Arizona, San Francisco is getting them. The Bears are getting oh. Kenny Albert, oh. Jonathan Vilma, and Shannon Spake. Wow. Yeah, they wow. just missed out on the next crew up. Is Chicago's very own Adam Amin, yeah, okay. Mark Schlereth, who we got plenty of last year, and it's not good. No, no. and and Lindsey Zarniak, but no. The so it's Kenny Albert, Jonathan Vilma, and Shannon Spake. That's who you're going to be spending your Sunday with. We also got the great news today that the NFL is going to allow the Bears radio team to go to Detroit, so we won't have Jeff Joniak and Tom Thayer calling the game off of the TV. <laughs> which I have a feeling Joniak does anyway. Instead, yep. they're going to be in a booth in Detroit calling it off a TV instead. So things will be so much better. There. Wow. Wow. Well, there's reason to tune in right there. So I was wondering about, I was, I was hoping that we're going to get a story early on in the broadcast about uh, Virginia McCaskey, my old pal Vadge. Yeah. Vadge McCaskey giving an inspirational talk to the team. It will have to be by Zoom. Because right. you can't risk her health, you know, in the, but I think she, I'm sure there's going to be some story about how she gave an inspirational speech to the team where she can relate to the difficulties they're going through because her high school prom was canceled due to the 1918 pandemic. <laughs> oh, there you go. And the fact that it changed the whole course of her life because her date to the prom was Kaiser Wilhelm II. <laughs> So I'm really looking forward to that. Well, if anybody from Fox is listening to this, I think they're going to. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be Kenny Albert. You know, I heard on a, I heard on a bear podcast. <laughs> Jonathan, did you know? Do you know anything about Kaiser Wilhelm II? <laughs> the guy who started World War One? Yeah, him. <laughs> well, he's got a bear's connection. You won't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So week one is... Bears at Detroit. Yeah. And that it's a nice soft landing, soft starting for Mitch. Then they're home next week to take on Daniel Jones and the New York football giants, who they played at home last year. I always find it weird when the schedule, when a non-divisional um, opponent comes back. Right. So you get the Giants. Uh, that's a CBS game. At noon, uh, 
A lot of noon on the schedule for the Bears, which I prefer. <laughs> I'm a big fan of the Sunday noon games. It makes my day go pretty well. But it's usually indicative of you're I'll not very you. good, especially if you're yeah. the Bears, who they will try to cram into prime time as often as possible. And they're like, no, not this year. Absolutely. I completely agree. You're right. Week three, they're in Atlanta. Yeah. Take on the Falcons. Week four, they're home against um, the Colts. Against the Colts, and um, we can break out the joke about Philip Rivers and his eleven kids. They could take on the Bears by themselves. Yeah. Was that was the game Eddie lost last year? Was that the Chargers? Shank the field goal at the end that would have won it. Pretty sure. God, they all they all blur together now. They do. Yeah. So I remember about making that same joke about Philip Rivers and the Bears not winning anyway. And then the next week, Bruce Arians and Tom Brady come to run up the score on the Bears. And that's a short week after the Colts. That's oh. Thursday night. There we go. They get Tampa. Uh-huh. Then they go to Carolina where they face Teddy Bridgewater. Then they're off to the Rams. That's a Monday night game. Which will be exciting. Brian, former Bear great Brian Greasy will be in the booth for that. Yep. So that'll be exciting. He's, oh, elect- he's electric. He is electric. <sighs> Home against the Saints. Oh, that's not going to be good. No. Uh, it's not even It's not even late enough. It's November 1st. It's not even late enough for it to be cold enough for Drew Brees and his little baby tennis player hands for it to bother him. So that's bad. That would have been better. December 1st would have been better for that game, but no. Uh, then they're off to Tennessee, mm-hmm. home against the Vikings on another Monday night. Because uh, be the Bears play the Vikings on Monday night a lot, and but the home games against the Vikings, they actually win somehow. Yeah, I don't think they're going to do that this year. But okay. Well, I didn't think they were going to do that uh, last year, yeah. and they did, and the year before. The year before, the two years ago, was that the Vikings? And that was the no, the Dowell Loggins. Um. So that was Mitch's first start, I think, right? Was a was a I think it was either a Sunday night game or a Monday night game against the Vikings at Soldier Field, and they ran the coolest two point play ever, which basically we found out was like their version of the Philly Special, which then would come back and rear its ugly head later. Yes, um, and it was just further proof to me that Dowell Loggins didn't have an offense; he just had like a folder with a bunch of random plays shoved in it. And every once in a while, he'd pull out a really good one. Like, let's run this! And then a hundred more that were terrible in a row after that. Yeah. Um, the w- great thing about beating the Vikings at home is that Mike Zimmer is from Chicago, and it pisses him off to no end that the Bears always beat. The Bears are always n- never as good as the Vikings, and he loses that game at Soldier Field every year. So that amuses what? me. That's going to be a challenge for him this year, I think. Because <laughs> I, 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 can't, I, can't, I will see. We'll see. He's also, I think, I should confirm, I believe he's still dating um, uh, one of my friend's friends. Very good. Yes. Look at that. Yeah. Look at that. <laughs> he actually seems like he would be, like, he be, actually would be, like, a cool guy to have as your coach. But he's not our coach. He's not we, our have, coach. we have the guy with the visor, which is great. Fantastic for for a year. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so then uh, we so now we're getting down to so we have the bye. 
Bears shouldn't be able to lose that week. Probably not. Then comes the home stretch at Green Bay on Sunday night, of course. It's good. So that game will go one of two ways. They either get their ass kicked from the jump, and it's 40 to nothing, or they go into the fourth quarter up 24 to 3 and lose. Either way, a horrible indignity that will be served against us. Yep. Home against the Lions. Home against Deshaun Watson and the Texans, which will make for a fun uh, narrative. Although, I never underestimate Bill O'Brien's ability to lose a game like that, that he should have no way to lose. If anybody can do it, it's it's Bill O'Brien. And you know, if the Bears win that game, that will be the game that will determine that they can't get Trevor Lawrence in the draft. (laughs) Mitch, Mitch outduels Deshaun. Bears end up with some guy from Minnesota State, Winona. <laughs> Final three games at Minnesota. That's a game they absolutely will not win. At yeah. Jacksonville, uh, in a game where the Jaguars will be like, please beat us, because we're trying to get Trevor Lawrence. Maybe all the maybe the Jaguars as a team will have opted out by then. <laughs> yeah, there's nobody. They're just playing the, their, that weird mascot that they have. With, the, yeah. with that teal tongue, it's he's taking on the entire Bears, and the Bears win. Hey, the Bears won. We won. What was the score? Oh, we won twenty-four to seventeen. You played a mascot <laughs> by himself. He's pretty good. He's pretty athletic. Yeah, he's going on rest, man. Then they finish up the season at home against the Packers. Mm-hmm. So when I went through with my very scientific thing trying to figure out wins and losses, I had that the Packer game being the determiner. Remember, there's an extra playoff spot in the NFC. That's right. That's right. Or in, I guess in both leagues. In both do. Yeah, just the NFC. The NFC, yeah. you guys can have one. AFC, no, you just can't have the extra playoff. Yes, there's an extra playoff team in each each conference. And I get down to that one, and that was the determiner between the Bears, no, not making the playoffs, going 8-8 eight and eight or 7-9. and nine. Okay. So basically another meaningless end to the season. Yeah. Very excited. Right. Right. And, so, and you've got them. So looking at that schedule, we figure um, 10 wins is going to get you in the playoffs this year with the yeah. extra spot. Because it's very rare when a 10-win team doesn't make it anyway. It's, it has happened to, happened to Lovey and the Bears once. But right. typically, if you win 10 games you're in, it could very well be that a 9-win team sneaks in. So mm-hmm. if, you, if you squint at that schedule hard enough, can you plausibly come up with 9 wins for the Bears? No. Not even close. I could, but it took. Um, I had to have several beers to do it. Yeah, well, it's, it must it, have taken like a, a dozen beers to do that. I don't. I don't see enough. It requires the Bears. They have to. They should win on. They should win in Detroit because Mitch owns they, Ford Field. He's got the they deed. Should start, yeah, they should start the season two and zero. Right. They have. In in my mind, if they lose week two to the Giants, they're eliminated from playoff consideration. Clearly, right. Because so that's a, that's one of the nine they have to have. And if they don't yeah. get it, they're screwed. So they'll start off 2-0. We'll get foolishly excited. Yeah. Oh, hell, last year after the Bronco, the, the ridiculous, you know, they got them to 1-1, one and one, and it's a game they clearly should have lost. In fact, it took a slow thumb on the uh, Denver timekeeper to even get right. the kickoff. Oh, the <laughs> right. podcast that week? Pfft. We, they were right, they were right back. We were, we convinced ourselves this is eleven and five going to the playoffs. Right. So it doesn't take much to dilute us. Yeah. 
Um, I'm trying to think now. I should have written these down. I think my nine wins were Detroit, at Detroit, home against the Giants. I think I really wanted to say they had to beat Atlanta, but I'm pretty sure that I knew they weren't going to be able to do that. Yeah. At Carolina. Okay. The Vikings at home. Oof. The Lions again at home. The Mm -hmm. Texans. I took a Texan win. Okay. At Jacksonville. Sure, that one, yeah. So then they'd have to beat the Packers. But I'm missing one, because there has to be one more in there somewhere. And it couldn't be the Rams. Maybe it was the Colts, who I don't think they can beat. I think it requires them. It requires them, I think, in my mind, they either have to beat, they have to luck out and win at Tennessee, or they have to beat the Colts. Well, to me, the, the only the only question is: Are the Bears going to finish third or fourth in their in their division? And that'll be between them and the Lions. Uh, I think the you know the Vikings are going to be the the clear favorite. They've got a, a defensive coach who actually coaches that team really well, and they've got Kubiak. So they they've got a they've got guys who can who can call plays on either side of the ball. Uh, you know, the Packers are not nearly as good as they were last no. year, but. They're better than, are they, can they win eight or nine games? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, the Packers were a complete fraud last year. And we knew it all year. It was so frustrating to watch them pull these games out. You're like, oh, they're not. They they were, I think they went 13-3, right? Yeah. And you're like, like, this is a 10-6 and team at best. This is not a 13-3 team. And they keep winning, and you're like, you're not supposed to do that. You guys are not that good. And then they, they got to the NFC Championship game because... The Vikings upset the Saints in New Orleans, right. which meant the Packers got the Seahawks, who were bad and hurt, and they still Russell Wilson still almost came back and won that game. That sent them out yeah. then to San Francisco to get humiliated in the end, which was you know kind of fun, but still I was mad that they were in the game in the first place. Um, I mean, when Jimmy Garoppolo won the NFC Championship game with six complete passes. You know that the, that team ran the ball right up your ass, right, right. And I mean, okay. And let's say let's say somehow by some miracle they squeeze into a, a, a playoff spot. What what NFC team are teams are they going to beat? Are they going to beat the Niners? Are they going to beat the Saints? Are they going to beat the Seahawks? Uh, are they going to Are they going to beat the Cowboys? The Cowboys should be better. We talked about the Bucks. The Eagles aren't going to be bad. The Vikings, I think, are probably the class of the division. Uh, what I mean, if you know the Packers? What if they get in and they have to play the Niners in the first round? Niners' entire team gets COVID. Then they have a shot. The Bears win that one. Then they they get to the then in the second round they get the Cowboys and yeah. uh, Dax and Zeke and CD Lamb. Um, they also they get COVID. If they get COVID, if that whole team has COVID, then... So that's all it takes. It's not that far-fetched. You just have to get in the playoffs, and the other teams have to all get a deadly uh, virus. Potentially deadly virus. And then you go in. And then you're a Super Bowl team. And then uh, and and Payson, they get keep their jobs. <laughs> they get a, they get contract <laughs> extensions. Mitch gets a contract extension. They lock him yeah. up to that. He gets that seven year, hundred and forty million dollar contract that he's so clearly worth. And then we get another. Oh. We get a full decade of Mitchapalooza, which will be great. He's gonna, 
speaking of that, Mahomes and Watson signing enormous contracts. Mahomes can buy a part of the Royals. Yep. And here are the Bears with, you know, Mitch and his, uh, maybe, he, maybe he got an upgraded, maybe got a new Toyota from, from his, you know, It's grandma. Grandma, grandma, got, grandma, here's some money to buy a new Camry. Can I borrow it? <laughs> yeah. Right. Mitch, did you buy your own? Yeah. Maybe buy Grandma Prius, and, and, and that's what we're stuck with. Well, you know, the, the Bears had arguably the biggest asset the Bears have had in the Ryan Pace era was the number three overall pick in 2017. And he completely blew that. Yeah, I mean, they it, it started a, a domino effect of decisions that were made as though Mitch was good. So yes. they they trade up, which that trade, the trade up is actually kind of overrated because um, everybody's like, oh, they gave up, um, they gave up two number ones. Well, they, they, well, no, they only gave up one number one and like a second and a third, whatever. Yeah. They switched picks with the, with the ones. So they didn't give up a one. They just moved up one spot and they gave up some other stuff, um, which the Niners did nothing with. Um, when you look at the guys they picked, they were all bad. Which you know the Bears could have done better, but the Bears made a but Pace made a couple of trades in that draft that basically recouped the middle round picks that he gave up for Mitch. So that really wasn't that big of a deal. But the big deal is that he so misjudged the quarterback crop that year that he not only picked the worst of the three quarterbacks, he felt the need to give up other draft picks to make sure he got the worst one. Because evidently he was convinced that the Niners were going to take Mitch. He, he to... okay, his, I, I've always said this was bullshit, but you know, that's what GMs do. Right. What spooked him was they got a call from a team because, you know, nobody was sure the, the Bears, this is how crazy this was. People didn't think the Bears were that interested in quarterback because they had signed Mike Glennon. When you sign a Mike Glennon, you so don't need why to... would they possibly pay all that money and then draft a first round? quarterback right a team apparently called the bears trying to get the third pick yeah a team found a mark right right which were he smart if this is the thing he he uses to defend trading up if he was a good gm you take that you move back in the draft and you still have a shot at 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 least watson or mahomes probably still both of them right because they they didn't go in uh, mahomes went 10th i think and so yeah not only do you keep the picks that you that you traded away, you get additional picks, and you still get a, a shot at either Mahomes or Watts. Right. So, or you could have just, just stayed at number three and picked either Mahomes or Watson. You know, yes, if, if, that's well, all you had to do. You didn't have to do a damn thing. You sit at three, and even if you're worried that somebody's going to jump ahead to two and take one of the three quarterbacks, yeah, you still had the other two to pick from. You were guaranteed, even if a team traded up to one and a team traded up to two. You still were going to get one of the three quarterbacks for doing nothing, just sitting there and taking advantage of your terrible record from the year before. So they didn't do that. So they get Mitch. That then informs, because everybody knew they they should have a a real football organization, would have fired John Fox before that draft and gotten a new coach. Well, they didn't. They limped along for one more with Fox. That then meant, okay, we've got this young quarterback who needs developing. Let's go out and find a guy who we think can develop the quarterback. 
Then you end up with the asinine thing where the reason they were able to hire Pace was because he was available a week before they thought he was going to because he was the he was calling the plays in a in a Chiefs Titans playoff game where the Chiefs refused to run the ball in the second half and the Titans erased a big lead and won which then made Nagy free to be signed because he was no longer coaching an active football team. So they hire him who you know that's great. He he sounds like a progressive football coach. Yeah. You know the stuff he says. He kind of looks like you know he might be. You know, he's he, he's not the prototypical. He seems like a guy you'd actually kind of like to hang out with and talk football with. He seems like that. Well, but then you then you realize he's an improvement over John Fox. If yes. nothing else, at least. Yeah. He actually, he answers questions and has a personality. Yeah. But you also realize that he he's just he's completely overmatched at too many important parts of being a head coach. Okay. So you get him put in place. You then you get to the, he's coach of the year and you get to go to the playoffs. I reminded people at the time that Ray Rhodes was coach of the year, his first year in green Bay and he got uh, fired in year two. That's how much that means. Right. Um, but he's coach of the year. The bears almost won a playoff game. They would have won a playoff game if their ridiculous little kicker hadn't hit, hit the upright uprights and the crossbar. So now they're really close. This is a Super Bowl team. They trade for Khalil Mack, which I, of course, love having Khalil Mack on the team. He's an awesome player. He's super fun to watch. He destroys people. But they weren't close enough to winning to make that trade worth what they gave up. It's only worth what they give up if you look at it and go, Pace would have screwed up the picks anyway. We might as well let the Raiders have them. That's not a good enough reason to do that. They took a guy who is the final piece on a championship team and they put him on a team that needed like six more final pieces after him. (laughs) Yeah, right. And it all goes back to now, had they, if they picked Deshaun or Mahomes, then those other moves all make sense and they probably work. Right. But they took Mitch and then those other moves don't work. Yeah. 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 And, uh, so you're left with, I mean, the Bears defense still has some great players on it. Yeah. Quinn is a great player, and, and you know Kyle Fuller and, and Cleo Mack and Keem Hicks um, and Andy Jackson, but nobody's going to throw towards Kyle Fuller this year. There's no, there's no quarterback who's going to throw no. this way. Jalen Johnson, the rookie, better be good because be he's going to get a lot of, he's going to get a lot of action. And, and didn't didn't last year's version of the defense, you know, Fangio left and, and Pagano came in. To me, it's 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 exactly like when Vince Tobin took yeah. over for both. Just same guys basically, but all the aggression is gone, the the, the wildness, the unpredictability. Well, yeah, the crazy thing is that it's it's very similar to that in that they were like statistically just as good. Yeah, right. But right. the yeah, impact totally. wasn't as good because they didn't turn the ball over. The difference is that Pagano is actually more aggressive than Vic. Vic feels like if you if you have good if you have a good scheme and you have good players, play your base defense most of the time and just hit the crap out of everybody, and you will you'll generate turnovers. Where Pagano is a more traditional look, we can bring pressure from all over, so let's do it. And both work. But they the biggest difference was they didn't generate the turnovers that they did two years ago. 
which meant they still were a good defense. They didn't give up very many points, but Mitch didn't get the short fields as often, which he desperately needs to score points. And that That's was big. and that was right. a that right. was a big problem. Yeah. Yeah. So they don't. You know, they 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 don't have. Uh, are they a top? Are they a top ten defense? Yeah. Yeah. Are they a top five defense? I, I don't know, but. I mean, um, if there's some, there's somewhere between five and ten. Yeah. Your offense better be at least the league average. Well, if and and if, I don't see this as a league average offense. If the upgrade from Leonard Floyd to Robert Quinn is as big as we think it is, they take a big step up because that will free Khalil up to be more menacing because he they everything was thrown every play flowed. All the blocking flowed at him no matter where he was. Pagano tried to move him all over the field and hide him, and he just couldn't do it because the Bears couldn't make you pay on the other side of the field enough to play him straight up ever. So if, you know, it's either going to be Khalil still gets that amount of attention, but Quinn takes advantage of it, or most likely they you kind of have to play him more straight up, not completely. You're still going to throw an extra guy at Khalil Mack. He's Khalil Mack. But Khalil can handle one extra guy. Oh yeah, it's when no you throw us another extra guy at him that you know he has a problem. Yeah, yeah. I mean, their linebackers across the board terrific. Uh, you know, on the line is Akeem Hicks healthy? Do we do we even you know do we even know that? And then and then you know Eddie Goldman opted out obviously. Yeah. And you've got two awesome players in the secondary in Fuller and Jackson, but what what about the other safety in the other corner? Those are pretty big question marks to me. Yeah, because so, uh, Artie Burns was a little shaky anyway, hurt. So you can't yeah. even rely on him at the one corner. And then um, Gibson, the new safety. Is he better than Ha? Apparently, considering Ha Ha went to Dallas and got the ho got the heave ho. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of surprised the Bears weren't like, yeah, just come back. Right. So I don't know. All right. Know. So the Bears are I'm not going to make you guess the line because that's a, that's a different podcast on a different podcast network. Um, Lions are three point favorites, which if you adhere to the home team gets three points, Vegas thinks it's even, which it probably is. Yeah. Um, The over under, which one did we use last year? I guess we used Westgate. So uh, over under 44 and a half. So what do you think? Bears, you you get three, you get three with the bears. Yep. And then I we'll... definitely take the. I definitely take the bear. I take the bears in the over. Um, Stafford, when healthy, is that is a pre- actually a pretty good quarterback, and so he's going to put up a lot of points. And the Lions' defense is, you know, Matt Patricia has done nothing with that no. defense. So even uh, an offense like the Bears should be able to put up some points against that defense. So yeah. Okay. That's what so... I- I'm in agreement with you on both things. I think that I should think the bears give me three. I'll take it, but, um, cause they're going to win outright. So I don't even need it, but I'll take it. Yeah. Right. Uh, and I will take the over because I do think that, um, 44 and a half is just not that many points. Um, and the biggest problem I have, the reason I'm picking the bears over the lions, I have a real problem with the lions in two things. Number one, Matt Patricia has a laminated play sheet keeps a pencil behind his ear. You can't write on a laminated play sheet with a pencil. So I don't know why he has the pencil. But they double down. I don't know if you remember. Now, they did the – it was it was a very noble thing. If They were one of the first to do it. 
Um, they, um, the day the Cubs should not have been playing in Detroit when they all kind of, uh, they basically abandoned Jason Hayward, <laughs> didn't realize they were doing it, but they were, um, the lions didn't have practice that day. Instead, they had a protest out in front of their facility and they had a whiteboard, a two sided whiteboard, and they had a message written on both sides. And when they flipped it over, it was very clear that they had spray painted their message on the back of the whiteboard. Guys, it's a whiteboard. You can use a marker and then you can reuse it. Yeah. So their disdain for them not knowing the proper writing utensil to use, they double down on it. They coat it. I'm sure it's because of Patricia. They think you can write on a laminated play sheet with a pencil. Why shouldn't you be able to spray paint on a whiteboard? It'll yeah, come right. right off. Well, no, it won't. You ruined that part of the whiteboard. So. so that's why I'm taking the Bears. Because if the Lions can't figure out how to use a whiteboard, how can you possibly win an NFL game? Two very valid reasons, I think. All right. Well, thank All you, right. Mike. This was good. First one's in the books. Yeah. Thanks for Thanks for this. will be a fun season. Yep. I hope. So, well, we'll have fun, whether or not the Bears will. We'll see. Yeah. Now, there was a time when people always accused on the Cub podcast. They're like, you guys – uh, your podcast is more entertaining when they're bad because you know you get to make fun of them. Yeah. And I always maintain I'm like it's going to be a lot more fun when they're good, and it was. So yeah. I would as much fun as it will be to make fun of them when they're bad. It's a lot more fun to uh, make fun of the other teams for things. So yes. let's hope you know because it's football. Yeah. Anything can happen in football. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe not anything, but anything. Yeah. All right. So. Uh, um, Roughly same time next week, where I, I talk to you about this, we're going to kind of shift the. Um, last year we did these podcasts towards the end of the week with the idea that we were kind of going to do a preview of next week's game, but we realized we spent the whole time talking about what we had seen, which makes sense. So we're shoving this towards the front of the week so that the game they just played is fresher, and then we'll still look ahead to the next game. So next week we will rehash the big win over the Lions, and then talk about Joe Judge and the great Giants coming up. So, uh, I can't wait. I can't wait either. <laughs> so, all right. Well, thanks a lot, Mike. This was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. All right, Andy. <laughs>